0: I'm Buzz Knight, the host of the take a Walk podcast, music history on foot. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we have an incredible treat. An artist who is one of the fastest rising figures in the music business, and particularly in the country music business. His music does span rap, rock, he's broken country, number one hits like son of a sinner even angels cry the song called save me which i heard in uh john loba the president of bmg's office as we were uh, recording a "Taken a walk episode with him and i was completely blown away by that song and i still am to this day please welcome to "Taken a walk jelly roll well jelly roll it's so great to uh, have you on "Taken a walk here um you started 2022 playing uh 800 seats. I believe it was in uh Buffalo, New York, and you ended up playing 20,000 uh seat <laughs> sellout at your hometown in Nashville. What what was the first experience like and what was the Nashville experience like as well?
2: It was you know, the first experience, the funny part of that story, I don't get to tell nobody is, because I haven't got the detail it is, I actually missed the Buffalo show. I had a flight get canceled because of a snowstorm in Buffalo. And I ended up having to just skip Buffalo and go to Boston the next day, which was the uh, the Palladium in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. So it was just funny that my first booking of the year was in a club, you know? And then, of course, even the second show, you've probably been to the Palladium. I know you came from the Boston market, so... You know, it's what 2000 cap club or whatever, you know, and um, to end it in a completely sold out arena at home was just a testament of the year. I was having to tell John Loba, the president of our Broken Bow Records and the label that signed me, the guy that gave me my chance. And Of course, there were some mishaps with all of the partners and media and I we're shooting a documentary and filming this big show, you know, and Loba wasn't upset. But he was like, man, it's just really hard to find you that afternoon. I said, you got to remember This is, this is so new to us. You know, I was like, we didn't, (laughs) we had to grow into the arenas in like 10 months flat. It was hard. You know, it was a big, we went from, uh, I went from, I I went into the pandemic in a two sprinter van tour. Right. And that was a luxury by then because I took an extra sprinter van for me and the family and I sent the band and the other sprinter. So, I come out of the pandemic straight into a two bus tour and ended in a six bus, seven truck tour. You know what I'm saying? And all these dudes around you are just trying to tell you what's going on. And you're so confused. You're just trying to trust them. You know what I mean? And you're just like, are you sure this is the right decision to make? We have to buy another no, no bus of people. They was like, somebody's got to run the lights. I was like, God, why are we bringing lights? Because you're playing a 12,000 cap club, an arena in Michigan at night. You got to have real production. I never took production until we were doing it at a, at a small arena level.
0: How does John Loba make it look so easy is my question.
2: Oh, listen, Loba acts like nothing. He never, he only seems excited. He never seems stressed. He's always forward thing. I don't know if he goes home and just melts into a ball, of, a, a ball of putty or something, but he's just unbelievable, man. He did uh, this
0: podcast and I have to tell you, His uh, vision and his leadership uh, come shining through in that episode, Jelly.
2: No, I got to check it out because he's, um, I see it every time I talk to him. and I'm so blessed to have a label partner that I talk to multiple times a week. I mean, him, Carson, Adrian, Michaels, um, the entire radio team over there. I mean, I talk to these people obsessively. I mean, I probably talk to somebody in that office every day twice,
0: you know, you share some similar life paths as the great Johnny Cash. Uh, prison time, uh, drug challenges, uh, personal trials. What does his music mean to you?
2: Oh, man. Johnny was one of the or the whole outlaw movement, not limited to Johnny. But that whole era was still probably my favorite era in, in American music history. And I say American music history, not just country music history, because Nashville was on fire. You know, this Bob Dylan came down here and wrote, you know, what was the Nashville Skyline record, Um, came down here and did the Johnny Cash show. I mean, Johnny Cash had transcended country music at a time into a whole different culture and put a whole different look, you know, and he taught me a lot, no pun intended, about how to walk the line because johnny knew how to walk that line and i don't even mean just in his relationship i meant in the business right you know he stood by his outlawness. he stood a man of character a man of integrity morals what he believed he wasn't afraid to tell you to fuck off right but equally did 52 shows of the johnny cash show almost a syndicated television show big hit uh the the infamous documentary you've probably seen about him and richard nixon Tricky Dick and the Man in Black. I mean, he had some wild political shit happening in the background, too. Just quiet as caps, you know? And uh, Johnny Cash was the ultimate, to me, of that era. The The guy that I aspired to be. Me and my buddy Ryan Upchurch, Struggle Jennings, and Adam Calhoun were talking recently. And um, Ryan Upchurch is a multi-genre artist as well, but does it independently and has no aspiration to partner with a label. I'm I am anti the system. Right. As far as like the establishment meaning, I think artists should own art. And I'm pressing that big in these rooms is that artists should own art. There's no reason these artists shouldn't own a piece of their masters. Ryan's just like, I'm never playing ball with those guys. And I said, well, that's what makes this so cool about all four of us is because that was Johnny Waylon, Willie, Chris, Jesse. Right. If you think about it, Johnny played the game. Johnny Cash show, big late night TV appearances, stood next to president, you know? Man, Waylon Jennings didn't give a shit about none of that, dude. He showed up every now and then to a late night TV show, and that's about it. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, <laughs> so it's really cool to see that even in this generation that outlaw blossoms different ways just like it did back then, you know?
0: I love your appreciation for uh, the historical figures and the music that's been around you.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's bound to repeat itself. So I just wanted to check and see where I might fit into the future landscape. And I started getting obsessed with these eras. And I mimicked my entire songwriting style from that 1967 to 76 era. Everything from Seeger to Dylan to Cash to Willie to Waylon, right? That whole James Taylor, Jim Croce. These are the guys that made me want to write songs. John Prine, I would imagine, is in there. Oh, absolutely. Do you remember the first time that you uh, rapped something? Oh, absolutely. Dude, I went downstairs. So um, my mother struggled with like mental health and addiction stuff, right? And she'd come to the kitchen and the whole house would come. and We'd listen to music. And when I realized that music was affecting her addiction, I was like, oh, this makes mom happy. I should go write music. Right. So I went upstairs and I and I wrote a rap because hip hop was super influential in our culture. And um, and I was I went downstairs with my little sheet of paper and she had all of her friends at the kitchen table. I called them the golden girls, like six or seven of them. They'd all come to the kitchen table together. and They just change smoke cigarettes. And uh, I came down and she turned the record off and said, what you got? I said, listen to this. And I held my little sheet of paper up and I was shaking the whole time. And I wrapped her a little rap. and I was probably 12 years old, 11 years old. <laughs> Do you remember what you rapped? I, to the I don't remember anything. It was just like, you know, I don't like I just remember that feeling of everybody cheering me on and telling me to go write another one. And in hindsight, they were just trying to get rid of me. That's how we do kids. Yeah, great. Go write another one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you another magic moment real quick if you got time. I walked into middle school. I went to this school called Cameron Middle School on Murfreesboro Road. It was across the street from the J.C. Napier Project homes. And um, so needless to say, I was one of seven white kids at the whole school. Right. And I would walk every day by the breakfast because, you know, that you get free breakfast at school. And they would always be sitting outside of the lunchroom, pounding on the table and rapping. So I'd say maybe my seventh grade year, sixth grade year, I finally got the courage to go over and see if I could fit in the mix, you know. And I walked in and they would freestyle, you know, about teachers and like stuff that was happening in middle school, you know. And I came in and uh, I I think I made a joke about running from a principal and him catching me because I was fat because I was a big kid, too. And whatever the line was, I just remember watching a hundred black kids in the hallway lose their shit. Just like, because this is like, you have Eminem wasn't out yet, right? Nobody really connected with the Beastie Boys. They had been out, but it wasn't in a culture that I knew who the Beastie Boys were. But these kids didn't. Like Vanilla Ice was, you know what I mean? This wasn't even really a thing thing yet. So it's like this was an unheard thing. Like, why is there a white kid in here rapping and he's good at it? So. It was really, really... I remember that being the two times I caught the bug. What was it like working with Eminem? Um, nothing short of unreal. I mean, he's the GOAT. Anything connected with him is just... I think he's the greatest rapper ever. I think he will go down as the greatest rapper ever.
0: You have this unbelievable... Uh lack of being categorized in one genre you've got rap you've got rock you've got country you've got spiritual damn you're even like a motivational speaker in your own way um how does that make you feel that you defy categorization
2: lifelong dream i feel like my whole life i just wanted to defy categories you know i just wanted to i feel like a lot of us live in that space we were just so taught that we have to fit into a certain box for identity identity purposes, you know, because when I was a kid, you couldn't come to school on Monday with a Shania Twain shirt and come back to school Friday with a, with a Snoop Dogg shirt, right? You were either a country person, you were a rock person, you were a rap person, you were identified in these, these little boxes. And I just remember thinking then, well, man, that's not, that can't that's not right because i like offspring and snoop dogg you know i like johnny cash and i like jim croce you know why can't i you know and what has happened through the era of streaming is now we see that more than ever right and so me blending the genres is just me kind of doing what i feel passionate about but my daughter's an example of i listened to her cleaning her room yesterday every time she cleans her room she turns on the music to make sure the whole house can hear it and that's maybe our punishment for punishing her to make her clean her room. And she blares everything from Ariana Grande to Cardi B. You know what I mean? It's like the fact that my kid knows the new Chris Young song and she also knows the new NBA Young Boy song. That's not weird to anybody in her school, you know, and in uh, my generation, that would have been fucking weird. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Jelly, if you were in the prison system, what would you do?
2: Well, if I ran the prison system, I would attempt to bring more programming, rehabilitation and trade work skills there. And I would try to create systems to offer housings in different areas. Right. Because a lot of the problem that happens, especially in the juvenile cases, because I'm super passionate about the juveniles, because I was a juvenile offender that got charged an adult. Um, You take a 15 year old kid that's in a broken home with a family that does drugs and a cousin that lives there that sells drugs and you put them in juvenile and then you send them right back to that house and wonder how that kid triggered back into trouble. You know, I think that I would focus on offering opportunities for inmates to get out of prison and move to halfway houses in different States with trade work available there, you know, or different cities, you know, take the Chattanooga guys and move them to, Humboldt, Tennessee and take the Memphis guys and move them to Chattanooga, you know, and just try to create culture and structure because you can't continue. I know troubles everywhere, but sometimes you, new playgrounds, new playmates, you know, and I think that I would just focus on that focus on the rehabilitation of it. It's I look back at my time in jail and all the time I did and I didn't learn a single skill in there. Right. Like I didn't learn a single skill like you're just they just make smarter criminals. You put 200 criminals in a room together and don't give them anything to go look forward to. They're not going to do nothing but gamble, fight and teach each other criminal ways. That's it. That's all that happens in jail. They gamble, they fight and they teach each other better ways to be criminals. My favorite thing about the George Young story, I'm sure you've seen the movie Blow, is when he says, I went in with a a bachelor's degree in weed and came out with a Ph.D. in cocaine. And I, that is so true. You know how many guys I've seen go to jail, small drug dealers, and meet a big drug dealer in jail? And, you know, its they're not focused um, on rehab. Now, luckily, here in Nashville, Sheriff Hall is really open to the idea of programming. So I've been talking to him a lot. So we're going to start making changes on that, hopefully on a national level, but we're going to start where it matters most right here at home.
0: And when you did the uh, sellout at the arena, Uh, You put your money where your mouth is to begin a project there. Can you talk about that?
2: Yes, sir. No, we started putting together uh, uh, studios inside of the juvenile downtown. Um, The impact youth outreach that we partner with, we hired more staff for full time care for people that come out of juvenile. So they'll go straight to this program. We're getting a court ordered by the judges. Let me tell you the most beautiful thing about this. And we're building studios outside for kids when they come home music programs inside uh the next thing we're going to try to bring in there is uh, another trade work uh whether we partner with Lee's heating and air and try to bring hvac in or something just to teach kids you know more trade work um but this is just scratching the surface i have big dreams i want to open halfway houses around town and i want to really make a difference when it comes down to this this city i want to that's one of the things i want to be remembered for is you know i want to be remembered for feeding the homeless and visiting the jails do you have a documentary in the works? We do. We do have a documentary to work. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about it, but we do. We uh, Hulu filmed me. ABC News filmed me for, I'd say, 60% of 2022. I mean, they spent a lot of time with me, and uh, it should be coming out sometime right here before the midsummer. I'm really excited and nervous. because you let a camera crew into your personal life for like four or 500 hours? You know, they probably caught some wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still get performance nerves? every time oh un- unbelievably i was I played the uh, Leslie Jordan tribute at the Grand old opera recently, and i could I was shaking on stage. you know you could just see my hand shaking um the microphone you could see shaking a little bit. yeah, I, and the day I quit getting those nerves, I'll quit torn.
0: I have to tell you as we close as somebody who has felt the deep connection with you, and like others, felt that connection, I have to ask you, how do you balance work and life to the betterment of, of you know, your health and well-being?
2: Um, I am learning that now because I have spent so much time focused on building the music side of the career that at, at times I do get lost on the family side, which is always the most important side. So this going into this year specifically, I found a better balance. I'm, you know what I've gotten finally bold enough to say to help with that buzz? No. No. It's a crazy word, and it's hard to say. When you're a kid from Antioch that never had anything, you just say yes. You know what I'm saying? Because you've never had anything. And then you say yes to so much, you find out that you, you know, I haven't been home for a daughter's birthday in six, seven years, and it just breaks my heart, you know? So... It's things that I'm going to try to do better moving forward. Thank you for saying yes to uh, being on uh, taking
0: a walk. I'm uh, oh, so grateful. Stop it.
2: No, these are the easy ones. The no's are whenever they get you to do a one off in Seattle and it takes three days of your life and you still say yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to go to a 300 person club for radio. And it takes four days of your life to get to Seattle and back on your daughter's birthday. And you're just like, you know what? Next time they call about that what I'm saying no. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your time, Buzz. Anytime. Congratulations, man. On a, on a personal note, um, you know, I love to see uh, people step out in, into the unknown and take ownership. And that's awesome. It's so cool. I wish you blessings on these podcasts. I hope you do a thousand of them. I hope you build a catalog and sell them for a hundred million dollars later in life. That's what I, that's my prayer for you. You know, you're an artist at heart, Buzz. Artists deserve to own art.
0: You're the best. I hope I get to uh, meet you down at the country radio seminar. I'm going to be down there. So,
2: oh, well, then you're absolutely going to meet me. I'll tell Loba, make sure we see each other no matter what. I hope so. I'm I'll very make sure grateful. that happens. I'll, I'll come find you. I'm in town all week. Awesome. Thank you. I oh, really look thank forward you to again, it.
0: I I have, I you have a special gift for you that I'm bringing. It's a book. Called, it's a little book. It's called How to Walk. It's by a Buddhist monk. I give it to all my guests. The it, he's his name, he's deceased. His name is Thich Not Han. And it's this little book of spirituality and uh I I can either mail it to you or give it to you in person, but
2: You know what? I'll talk to Lobo. I might get you to mail it to me. Cause That's I'm cool. such a book reader. I might read it before you get here. That'd be awesome. I, I, I read, I probably, I make it a goal to read a book a week, sometimes two every single week. And sometimes oh. I have a thing where once a year I recycle four books that have helped me the most over the years. Right. I recycle I once a year. I read Tuesdays with Maury again by Mitch album. I read the five people you meet in heaven by Mitch album. Cause they're my, my two probably favorite books of all time. Um, I read the alchemist once a year and I pick a Malcolm Gladwell book that I've read before. So like this year I read talking to strangers last year, I reread outliers. It's awesome. Well, I'd be, I'd be honored to get it to you.
0: And, uh, I'm I'm so grateful and, and tickled and, uh, and thank you for the music that you, that you give us and for, um, just, you know, kicking an ass and, and um, t- this is going to be an even better year for you than
2: last year. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you so much, Buzz. Thanks, Jelly. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.